Good morning, folks. A warm welcome to everybody here and to those at home to our service. And we pray that the Lord's Spirit would be upon us as we desire to worship Him. Just to mention, I uh, spoke to Mr. Rennick this morning and he's still being diagnosed as, say, positive with this COVID. But I think he's feeling a little bit better. But we remember him and we remember all his family. We're going to begin our worship of God by singing to his praise in Psalm 95. Psalm 95 in the traditional version, page 357. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Come, let us everyone a joyful noise make to the rock of our salvation. Let us before his presence come with praise and thankful voice. Let us with sing psalms to him with grace and make a joyful noise. Singing on to the end of the verse, March 6. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Shall we join together in prayer? Let us pray. On this thine own holy day, O Lord, we pray that thou wouldst grant us the influence of thy Holy Spirit in our gathering together to worship thee, to lift up our voices in praise and in adoration of thee, to show forth to this world that is full of sin and misery, that there is a God who delighted in mercy and in that delight he sent forth his only beloved Son into this world to be the great sin-bearer, 
to give unto us an awareness that if we put our trust in him we have nothing to fear whatever this world might throw upon us it is good for us to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is our companion he is our friend the one that sticks closer than any brother we would pray thy blessing O Lord upon our gathering remembering all those who are unable to be with us and praying that thy spirit would be upon them giving them to be encouraged and whatever difficulties or ailments they may have may they know the hand of God upon them the healing power of Christ according to his will and above everything the assurance that he will never leave them he will never forsake them we ask of thee to remember our own pastor his wife and his family and we pray that thou wouldst uphold them and sustain them with thy spirit may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ abound to each and to every one of them and we pray that thine healing hand would be upon those of the family that are unwell O Lord we do thank thee that the opportunity is given to us to set before thee all our concerns whatever they may be and to believe that thou wilt do all things well we pray for the congregation as a whole we pray for every family and to those O Lord amongst the congregation who are unwell and we commend them to thee we pray too that the witness and the testimony of the congregation would be a blessing to many souls to those who are within the congregation and those who are out with it O Lord we pray for thy power through thy word to testify to each and to every one of us that without Christ we have nothing and Lord we pray that our hope and our confidence would be found in him we pray too that there would be a blessing upon us as a church, as a denomination. We thank thee for every congregation and we pray that thou would uphold thy servants whom thou would set aside to be the ministers of thy word. Be mouth, matter and wisdom to them and do thou bless them we pray thee as they seek to advance the kingdom of Christ according to the great commission that was set before the churches go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit and lo i am with you always even to the end of the world remember our young folks and we pray thy blessing upon them we thank thee for this time of holiday and we pray that it might be a refreshing time for them for those that may be away from us, we pray that thou wouldst be near to them and be thou their protector. And Lord, we pray that as they are growing up, with the many influences that are surrounding them, many influences that would distract them, we pray that the love of Jesus would uphold and sustain them. So we cast our care upon thee, knowing that thou dost care for us. And all we ask with the forgiveness of every offence. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to just have a few words with the young folks. When I was a young boy, I remember one of the things that was very important was making friendships. That's not always easy to do. It sounds easier than what it might be. Sometimes we make friends and then we fall out with them. Maybe the fault is ours, maybe it is theirs, or maybe it's a combination of both. But one thing that we do like is to have friends. Those that we can trust, those in whom we can have a confidence, those that we can share many things with. When I was a young lad, I remember in the Sunday school that I was brought up in, remember being introduced to some friends in the Bible and these friends you may recognize their names Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they were three young lads who had to go through an awful trouble in their young lives 
Not only had they been shifted from the place that they were brought up in, they had to be taken to a place that was alien to them. However, they had great wisdom and understanding of many things. But one thing they had above everything else was they had each other, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had each other, and they had Daniel as well. And I'm sure they had many others also. But when trial came, when the king wanted them to worship this idol that he had set up, it must have been terribly difficult. When you have to make a choice with those who are your friends and to be subjected by those who are your enemies. And they certainly had plenty of enemies in that part of the world, in Babylon. Many who hated them simply because they were jealous. The king had set them up in very good positions in Babylon. And these men were all very jealous. So they decided to set them up. That's what they did. The consequence, of course, was that they would not bow down to this idol that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They wouldn't bow down. And the thing that was beautiful about the whole of that story is not just that they didn't succumb to Nebuchadnezzar and his demands, but the great thing was they stuck together through thick and thin. They all spoke with the same voice. And I wonder if that's what we can do with our friends, that we can share things and we can stick together through thick and thin. They were put into a very difficult situation. Because they would not obey the king, they were all thrown into this fiery furnace. And of course, the king and those who were jealous of these three men thought this would be the end of them. But no, it wasn't. And the reason for that was God had made a promise to them. Jesus makes a promise to us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's a promise that maybe we don't take to heart as we should. But these three men, they took it to heart. And the result was that Nebuchadnezzar found that these three men were in the fire, walking about. Almost as though they were communicating with joy in the midst of the fire. Because there was somebody with them. And it is often suggested it was a Christophany. Jesus was with them in the middle of the fire. And that's the one that will be with us all. And if we have friends, hold on to them, especially friends of the right kind, and especially the friend that sticks closer than any brother. Jesus is your friend. In that same Sunday school, I learned a hymn that you all, I'm sure, know. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs and sins to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I hope you have the right friends, like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Daniel were to each other. And the special friend of Jesus being with you wherever you are. Now we're going to read in the New Testament... In 1 Peter and chapter 1, reading verses 1 to 9. <clears throat> Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so on, and may God bless to us that reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 25. Again in the traditional verse in Psalm 25, the second verse in verses 1 to 6, page 233. <coughs> to thee I lift my soul. O Lord, I trust in thee, my God. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my foes triumph for me. Yea, let them that sorry. Let ye let thou none ashamed be that do on thee attend. Ashamed let them be, O Lord, who without cause offend. And singing on eh, to the end of verse six, to thee I lift my soul.
and reading from the beginning of the chapter. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was sixty cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the, tre- the treasurers, the justice, justices, and the magistrates, and all the officials of all the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects and the governors, the councillors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into burning fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who, who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harps, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, 
and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats and their other garments and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king ordered the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated the flame of the fire and of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and these three men Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego fell bound into the burning fiery furnace then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste declared he declared to his counsellors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their head was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies, rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen and may God bless to us that reading of his word and to his name be all the praise. We're now going to sing in Psalm 57. Psalm 57 from the traditional version of the psalm. It's on page 288 and we're going to sing from the beginning. Be merciful to me, O God, thy mercy unto me do thou extend, because my soul doth put her trust in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings my refuge I will place, until these sad calamities do wholly overpass. And so on to the end of the verse, Mark 5. Be merciful to me, O God. <clears throat>
Now, just before we turn to God's word, shall we join in a word of prayer again? Let us pray. We would ask of thee, O Lord, our God, that thou wouldst give us the grace of faith to approach thee in the way that we ought to, as those who are a dependent people. Help us, we pray thee, to recognize that thy word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Through many of its promises that is made to thy people, we are made assured that we have nothing to fear what man could do to us. We live among firebrands. We may live among lions that would seek to destroy. But we do thank thee that we are secure in the very arms of Christ. But we pray that we would not be presumptuous in this that we would not think that we are deserving of thy favour and thy protection. For we are not. For we come short of thy glory at every turn. But we know that thou art a faithful God, not dealing with us according to our deserving, nor rewarding us according to our iniquity, but rather... The chastisement of our peace is upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But it's not so for many in this world in our day and generation. For there is much unbelief and much godlessness. There is much of the picture of which we have been reading in Daniel that is presented to us throughout the four corners of the world. And especially, O Lord, amongst our own peoples, our own nations. And Lord, we plead with thee that thou wouldst come and that thou wouldst do good to our nation. We fall short of thee because we have turned our back upon thy word. We no longer consider thee to be a threat of any kind. There is little fear shown in the hearts of men and women of our day and generation. But we thank thee, O Lord, for those who are in government and positions of authority and power, who love the Lord Jesus Christ and whose desire it is to follow him and to be the example to the rest of their colleagues in the parliaments of our nation. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst turn this nation toward thyself. Take away the unbelief, O Lord, and help those who are in positions of authority. Whoever is fine for positions of power, O Lord, make them take cognizance that there is no power <coughs> that can stand up against thee. For a day is coming, a day of reckoning, O Lord, that we would all be found in the shadow of his wings. Continue with us then, O Lord, forgiving all offence, loving us in Jesus. Amen. I'd like for a little time this afternoon to turn with you to words that we read in Daniel and chapter 3. And reading from the verse 15 there. Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall be immediately be cast into burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And especially those words within the context at the end of that verse. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? I'm sure there are many presumptuous statements made in Scripture concerning those who are the enemies of God, the enemies of Christ and the Church. 
but this one really takes the biscuit pardon the expression this one really tells us does it not who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands it's obvious that for Nebuchadnezzar he sees himself as one of those very powerful men and that he was we can make no doubt about it he was a very powerful man in fact in many respects he would say that he symbolized the activities of Satan himself in fact we would almost classify him as a servant of Satan that's the kind of man he was he believed that there was no power on earth that could in any way be superior to him so that no matter what he said whatever he introduced or pressurized his people to conform to he was the big man and of course that was all emblematically stated was it not in this great uh, pillar was it some kind of uh, a pillar of prestige I think it was he wanted to tell everybody in Babylon and throughout all the kingdoms that he had control over who was boss his attitude is not very far different from the attitude of many of those of our day and generation we don't have to look far in fact sometimes I'm sure it becomes a bit of tedium having to listen to people who want to show what power they have what strength they have what might they have what gifts they have without any consideration to God whatsoever such as manifested in the person of Putin he may have some kind of faith in God according to his own religious tradition and I don't want to knock that God only knows the kind of setup that is in that tradition of his but he would classify himself as a God-fearing man and yet he takes control to such an extent that he sees that the pressurizing of people into his to be obedient to his command is the thing that is right in fact in what he is doing and it's what we all can do if we are left to our own devices we rise up we think of ourselves as the apostle would say we think of ourselves above what we ought to think is that not true we compare and contrast ourselves with others maybe we can find ourselves looking down on certain types in fact I'm sure that like with Putin there is a little bit of Nebuchadnezzar in us all and we cannot hide away from that fact we have our own jealousies of our own positions and that is true but dare we ever attempt to stand up against the God of all the ends of the earth the God who had made that announcement in his commandment thou shalt have no other gods before me whatever Nebuchadnezzar had thought intermittently about God because we can see him having a kind of a change of a heart at times and there is no doubt again that he like ourselves we can have a change of heart in regard to our relationship with God one moment we are full of praise we find ourselves coming into the house of God we sing his praise and it's as though there is nothing more in this world that we want to adore or praise or give thanks to until something happens for Nebuchadnezzar of course whatever the prestige he had of himself what position he felt he held he was dependent upon other people to bolster him to keep him up again that you find in the nations of the world those who are sometimes our leaders I don't want to say that they are all corrupt 
But maybe it's the blind leading the blind very often. For Nebuchadnezzar, he was so much listening to those who were his counselors, those who were in leadership. In fact, I suppose in many respects, Nebuchadnezzar's power was dependent upon those who supported him. How true that is. Of our own day and generation, not just in our own nation, but throughout the world. We are dependent upon people to encourage us and to bolster us. And if we don't get that, then maybe we get cast down and dispirited and we go off the rails and whatsoever. But to challenge God, dare any one of us challenge the God of grace and of mercy the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to Spirit, to the Word of God, has given us an abundant hope in relation to the resurrection and to eternal life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego might have appeared to be poor lads. People would be going about, maybe shaking their head and feeling sorry for them. In actual fact, as Jesus would say, you know, don't weep for me. Weep for your children and your children's children. Because the days are coming when you will be tested. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were brought up under the word of God. You might have thought that they could have given up on it very easily. Some of us, I'm not saying all of us, but some of us might have given up very easily with certain things that have happened to us in the past that make us to feel ashamed, make us to feel cast out. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and many others of these Jews were taken into Babylon. They didn't want to go there. They didn't want to leave their hometown. They didn't want any of that. But it was forced upon them. And you could find yourself feeling sorry for each and every one of them. But why should we feel sorry for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when all together, as friends, as I was saying to the children, they stuck together, they held together in their one commitment. They would not disobey God. Is that something that we can hold up our hands to and say, I've never disobeyed God? None of us can. We know we haven't. We know we cannot say that we've not disobeyed God. And I'm sure that neither of these men would say, we have never disobeyed God. But they have sought deliberately to follow God and his way. And when push came to shove, Again, pardon the expression. The test came and it showed itself. Just as it will show itself to you and to me under any testing and straining time. For Shadrach, Misha and Abednego, the test was confronting them. And you could almost feel as though you would say, Shadrach, Misha and Abednego, just give in. Just bow down. What would you lose anyway? You know, if you just bow down to this idol and that'll be it over with. Not for them. It couldn't be. That It wouldn't be the end of things. Because anyone that goes against their own conscience, knowing full well that what they are doing or what they have done, is an offence to God. Those people who were the supporters of the king... All that they wanted to do was to destroy Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And moreover, they wanted too to get rid of this God of these people, these incomers into Babylon. That's all that they wanted. They wanted power to be restored to them. Because the king, after all, chose these men. He chose them because 
they were able men. And the reason why they were able men was because they followed God to the letter. And whether or not Nebuchadnezzar recognized that as such, I think occasionally he might have done. He saw the influence and the power of God as we see it we see it in chapter 1 with regard to Daniel and their dreams. Nebuchadnezzar submitted to the fact that Daniel had gifts. He submitted to the fact that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had gifts. It wasn't because they believed in God initially that he accepted them. Because he believed that they were the best the cream of men in his kingdom. Now, there's a challenge in itself, isn't it? Imagine a heathen king. Imagine a heathen nation looking upon Christendom, the church of Christ in our own nation, turning around and saying, they are the cream of our nation. Yes, we are in many respects, And especially in this one respect, that we follow God, we believe in Christ, we believe in integrity of integrity of heart, we believe in holding a good conscience. But we believe, most of all, in a God who is gracious and merciful, a God who is loving, a God who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were put to the test. How would we fare, I wonder? I'm sure that we have asked ourselves the question. How could we cope with such persecution and such suffering? Standing there right before us, a furnace burning... And the king awaiting those of his soldiers to take these men and to throw them into it. Well, I'm not saying that they weren't afraid. They would have been, at least to a degree. But they had a calmness of spirit too, that as they said themselves to the king, Look, king, whatever decree you put out, that it goes against the law of God, we cannot be obedient to it. And, and I'm sure, to a great extent, the king himself appreciated what they were saying. Maybe he was like others of old, who didn't want to do what the, he was going to do to these men, but he knew he had no other opportunity because... Those who were sitting in the wings, those who were standing in the wings, were piling pressure upon him to do what they wanted done, that they'd be thrown into the fiery furnace. Thrown in the ware. And as the king says and challenges in the way that he did, and he challenges, same challenge to the enemy of your soul and mine, What God is there that can deliver out of the hand of the enemy? In this case, it was Nebuchadnezzar. In your case and in my case, it's the devil himself. It's the the evil one. And make no mistake about it, he is there seeking to destroy These statements that are made in the Old Testament are not there just for historians to peruse over. But they are there for us to learn and to understand. You cannot mess with God. You cannot play with God. God is not an idol that we take out every now and again and worship. That's the way the world does it. But we don't do that, do we? We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there is none like unto him, no, not one. What a contrast between what Nebuchadnezzar says here. What God, what God 
can deliver us from his hand. And see what he says right at the end of the chapter? He says this. Any nation or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. What an amazing statement from such a hypocrite, from such an evil man. But I think Nebuchadnezzar met his match, uh, more than his match. There is no power on earth. There is no power on earth that can subdue, or no power on earth that can deliver, like the God and Lord of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar was a man who was governed by the principles of the power of the air. It was ever important at the time, whatever was politically influential to him, that's what he did. And he knew he had to conform to his own decree that everyone in the nation should bow down to this obelisk and worship it. But Nebuchadnezzar had it thrown in his own teeth. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you poised the question. You challenged every other god in the universe, maybe. Every other god in every nation or every religion under the sun. But what you cannot do is challenge God, the great creator, the redeemer, the restorer, the deliverer, the one who has given an assurance of eternal life. Now there is no suggestion by most of the commentators that Nebuchadnezzar's change of heart and his appeal to the people, you know, Respect Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego now. Respect them and their God. Respect them. But the very next breath, he's doing the very opposite again. Read into chapter 4 and you find that. He seems to come and go. But you know, as I said earlier on, it's exactly the same with us. One moment we may have no problem in believing in God. The God of redemption and salvation we may not have any problem until a test comes. And if that test is overwhelming and abounding, what happens? We may succumb, but not for these men. Be it known to you, Nicodemus, we know that God can deliver us. What an assurance. What a confidence of faith. We know that God can deliver us, but if he doesn't, and I think that's an important thing for us to note, if he doesn't deliver us from this of your intention of throwing us into the fiery furnace, be it known to you, Nicodemus, you won't win. You won't win. You can't win. And the shock came to him. When he realized that that fiery furnace was not smelling of the stench of burnt bodies, he looked into it and he was surprised. He was amazed. And he saw that there was a fourth person in there. Was it a Christophany? Was it the angel of God? We're not really told exactly. But one thing we do know is that God was present in the furnace. And if you read Peter again, First Peter, which we read, it tells you there assuredly that even though you go through the fire, the fire of 
tribulation, persecution, and who in this world hasn't? But there are many who have gone through much more than we have. Maybe none have gone through as much as Shadrach, Misha, and Abednego, but again, I think that may not be quite true. I think that there are many believers who have suffered at the hands of the persecutors. And many believers have gone to their death because of the activity of the evil ones. But your assurance, my assurance is this. What God can deliver you out of my hands, Satan is saying, my God. My God shall supply all your needs out of his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I repeat the promise that Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Through every trial, through every affliction. And Jesus was with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with Paul and Silas in the prison. No matter what this world wants to do, they cannot beat God. They will find themselves under the judgment of God in the final day. Shall we pray? O Lord our God, we do thank thee that thy word is a testimony to our souls, that all the trials and afflictions of this life are nothing to be compared to the freedom and the liberty that we have in Christ. And we pray that if there is any here who are still under the power of darkness and unbelief, we pray that thou wouldst teach them through thy word that there is no power this side of eternity that can destroy those who entrust themselves to thee. So Lord, continue with us in our singing of the last song of praise. Take away all offense, loving us freely in Christ, for we ask it in his name. Amen. Now we're going to conclude by singing in Psalm 119 in the Sing Psalms version, page 157. Psalm 119, page 157, singing from verse 9 through to verse 16. Oh, we're on the Scottish altar. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't intended. It was supposed to be the same Psalms. However, we're having to uh, uh, go to the the sing psalm, eh, the Scottish Psalter. By what means shall a young man learn his way to purify, if he according to his word there too attentive be? Affinedly the have I sought with all my soul and heart. Oh, let me not from thy right path of thy commands depart. These verses then are Psalm 119 at verse 9 to 16. By what means shall a young man learn?
accept and to know me the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship and the comfort of the Holy Spirit rest upon and remain with you and with all whom you love, both now and always.